Uh, good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast. Uh, my usual co-partners here uh, with me tonight, Macca, how are you going, Mac? Yep, good, mate. Good to hear. And Nikki, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Very good, very good. A disappointing weekend for the Crows, obviously. But before we get into that little um, dissection, let's round up the scores from the weekend, shall we? Interesting weekend results and uh, probably almost, uh, apart from eighth spot, probably almost shaping uh, the final series, This even this far out, I reckon. Uh, Thursday night, uh, we had Geelong getting over a disappointing Sydney. I, was, I really thought that they'd get up, but... Uh, Hard to pick Sydney at the moment, and they uh, went down 71-59 to 59 over the Cats at the SCG. Fourth time they've lost their home games. I, I, I thought they would win too, but uh, the real uh, problem with Sydney at the moment is they used to have a very powerful midfield, but Hanabry doesn't get... He wouldn't get a, uh, a kick from an electric shock at the moment, and uh, the other bloke uh, used to be captain. He's so insignificant, I can't even think of his name now. Um and, uh, of course, they lost Mitchell to Hawthorne. And they've, they've, they've barely got a decent midfield. Parker, yep. Kennedy, yes. But that's don't, they only really got two blokes. They also lost their midfield coach. Yeah, interesting that. Uh, it's an interesting little discussion around uh, the value or otherwise of assistant coaches and line coaches. But uh, I agree, Macca. Their, their midfield is just a shadow of what it was a couple of years ago. And whether that's age or... You know, Hanabry's carrying injuries and, and has done for the last couple of seasons, but uh, Kieran Jack uh, is quite That's disappointing. That's yeah. yeah. I couldn't even remember his bloody name because he never gets a kick. Yeah, quite disappointing. And uh, I think the uh, the result is that there's too much arse of Parker and uh, JPK. Um, so. And it's interesting. You look at you naming all of those players, not one of them's quick. No, that's right. That's right. Well, and, you know... That's where you'd think that they'd make the most of their advantage at the SCG because it's not a ground that you really need to be quick on. Um, but uh, as you rightly point out, they, they've struggled there this season. Anyway, mm. Friday night we'll get to at the end, of course. On Saturday, uh, Car- uh, Brisbane uh, 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 just showing what they might uh, be like over the next couple of years. I know it was only Carlton, but they gave them a right old belting, uh, 120 to 55 up there at the Gabba and... Uh, they're coming along nicely, Brisbane under Fagan, I reckon. Yes, I think he's doing a good job with them because he really came from nowhere. And uh, I mean, they've only won, won the three games, but they have had a lot of competitive losses. Uh, on the other hand, Bolton, he's trotting, trotting out some party line at the moment. They have obviously given him to say, but um, what can you say about it? I think they're pathetic, Colin, absolutely pathetic. Well, I just want to say thanks, Brisbane, for keeping Carlton down the bottom of the ladder. That helps our draft picks. Well, there's there's no way that Carlton uh, come off the bottom now. Um, you know, only one win for the season with, uh, what, seven rounds to go. It's impossible to see them getting off the bottom and their percentage is terrible. And, you know, I, speaking of percentage, I always reckon percentage is a really good indicator of form. And Brisbane have by far the best percentage of a 16th-ranked team I reckon I've ever seen, nearly 89%. Yes. 
um, you know, uh, better than everyone uh, up until twelfth. So um, I reckon the signs are good for the for the Lions going forward. Um, we had Port well, Adelaide. We, we oh, do. Go on. I, I was just going to say that just kudos to you guys as, as well as me. Um, we talked about them earlier in the year when they weren't winning games, but we said there's a really nice style going on and they will start to string some wins together eventually. Yeah, uh, and it goes to show the value of, a, of an organised coach. Uh, Fagan has uh, a pretty good game plan going. It suits their squad. Uh, they're obviously responding and, uh, yeah, look out for the, for the Lions over the next couple of years, I reckon. Uh, Port... I still don't reckon they were terribly convincing over St Kilda. It was a pretty average sort of a game, 86 points. Uh, Port to St Kilda, 50 on Saturday afternoon. You know, I'll repeat my standard comment about Port Adelaide. I think they play with a lot of intensity and not a great deal of skill. I think they, of all the teams that are up there at the moment and battling for the top four spots, they are by far the most unskilled, in my opinion. They, they, They burn the ball a lot. And uh, that's why they won't win. A, they won't win a flag. But in terms of effort, they always give very, very good effort. And um, but because of that lack of skill, you end up a lot of a lot of their games are very, very scrambly and scratchy to watch. And I was playing my own care. game. <laughs> well, because I was I was playing my own game of football, so didn't see it. Didn't see it. Um, yeah. Well, I, I agree with you, um, Macker. I reckon Port. Uh, are one of those teams that play on emotion. They're obviously playing for each other at the moment. They've got a bit of a sniff at top four. Um, and they don't have a lot of competition. Sydney is sputtering along. Melbourne and Geelong and, uh, you know, to a lesser degree, Hawthorne and uh, North. And GWS going down to today uh, helps Port's cause for a top four spot. And I guess, you know, you've got to be in it to win it. But, uh, you know, uh, as it stands at the moment, that looks like they'll... they'll uh, sit in the top four and uh, it gives them every chance I suppose um, speaking of disappointing Fremantle were terribly disappointing against Melbourne although they didn't lose by as much as what we did 102 Melbourne to Fremantle 48 at TIO uh, very weak in Freo of course they, they didn't have their main ruckman and they didn't have their star midfielder so um, the same as when they beat us <laughs> what does that say for us? Oh, uh, <laughs> Just leave that, that there. That's actually a message in that comment, actually. Um, yeah, well, what else did you say? <laughs> no more comment. No. Nick? You want back Right, okay. <laughs> no more comments. Uh, Hawthorne just uh, chugging along nicely uh, versus the Western Bulldogs. The Bulldogs were in it for a while, and and then uh, Hawthorne just uh, got on top, and and Western Bulldogs couldn't go with them. In the end, one twenty two Hawthorne to Western Bulldogs fifty nine. So a pretty decent margin there. What's that? Sixty three points in the end over ten goals, and sees Hawthorne back in the eight. Yeah, they'll probably be close to the worst worst team in the eight uh, because they. They they clean up on teams like the Bulldogs and ourselves, etc. Um, but I can't see them possibly winning a flag. No, but um, I, I think they're, they're probably actually one of the better teams in that bottom half of the eight, um, in, just in terms of who they've got in charge of them and the way they play um, quite well, even in spite of um, injuries and other things that are, are coming in. And, and that's something that everybody's kind of admired about Hawthorne. 
Yeah, I, I reckon I'd back him against Geelong, Melbourne and Sydney, you know, Macca. Um, and a lot of it has got to do with, again, their organisation and their, their, their coach and they've been playing the same sort of structure and the same game for quite some time and uh, it's it's embedded into into their squad and... Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't think they're a threat for the for the flag, um, but I, I'd say that they're. I'm with you, Nick. I think they're the the best of the five to eight sides at the moment. Yeah, I think you I think you're very correct. What you just said too, by the way. You know, they are well. We're very well coached, very well organised, and um, what you're seeing is the maximum that he can get out of them at the moment. Mm. Yeah, you still wonder uh, that they You know, in the past, Hawthorne have always been able to maintain. Uh, their status just through topping up their list and uh, they haven't really turned it over yet um, and they've got a couple of blokes that are just sort of coming towards the twilight and Burgoyne and, and uh, we saw obviously Rioli pull the pin as well which was a bit of a surprise during the week so at, at some stage they're going to have to uh, play a few more youngsters I think and that that might uh, set them back for a year or two but whilst they got Clarks in there they're always a threat in my opinion yeah, I think that, but I think they will hit the shit in a couple of years' time for the very reason that you just said that uh, they've got a, quite a few very good players that are coming, uh, getting close to the end. Mm. Um, we had North Melbourne struggling to put the Gold Coast away today, uh, ninety-five to fifty-eight in the end. Uh, another fairly average game, and Gold, Gold Coast would sit behind the ball a fair bit, um, which challenged North. Um, but they're still hanging around North Melbourne. They're only out uh, of the eight by what about three percent, two and a bit percent. So uh, you know they're still in, in the hunt, I guess. And they've got the uh, game's best forward at the moment, which helps. Yeah, no, I chose to do a couple of jobs instead of watching that. that <laughs> it wasn't what I was. I was trying to watch, but it was like nah, not, not, not worth not worth the time. V8 supercars were on, so I was more interested in watching that. Uh, but the problem is, though, that, yes, they've got Ben Brown, and he's great. They need some more talent around him. Yeah, well, they're not for one of trying. They're throwing money around left, right and centre, but they can't seem to land anyone. So I don't know what that says about the club, but um, uh, they've certainly got a war chest if they can throw the amount of money around that's been whispered about uh, DeGoy and obviously last year at uh, Kelly and, and uh, Dusty Martin. So... Uh, I don't know if they. Uh, I'd almost be inclined if I was North to take the hit and see if they can regenerate their list rather than looking to cap off with a couple of stars because I don't think they're that close to you. No, no, you, you're on the money. That's what they should be doing. Uh, but you know, for the, for their supporters' sake, well, they, you know, trying to keep their supporters mm. and they, they're doing they're going the other way around. But I think you're you're right. With All three hundred of their supporters. That's, <laughs> that, that's the, no. Is that including no. pets? <laughs> yeah, but. but that's that's the problem with North Melbourne is they've got to keep winning in order to keep the very meagre fan base. It's a very loyal fan base, mm. but it's not big. Nicky, um, you say that's that that's small. They know them by first names. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and, and that's their problem is they've got to keep winning. They've got to keep trying to be successful or competitive because as soon as they start to drop off, the the those little hanger ons. Just go away. Yeah. I don't think I've ever met a North Melbourne supporter. <laughs> um, I did because um, he actually used to umpire in the AFL and was from South Australia. I know one, I know, I know one, but he won't make it public. Won't admit it. <laughs> uh, we had Essendon and Collingwood um, 
fighting out a pretty good game. The Bombers were in it for a long, long time, and Collingwood just get Love over it. the line in the end, seventy eight to sixty two. You know, say what you like about Essendon over the last three or four years, but uh, they do play an exciting brand of football. And uh, Collingwood did well to keep them to only ten goals uh, at the MCG. I thought. Um, I loved it. It was a great game to watch. Yeah, 16 points in the end. So it keeps Collingwood at uh, number two on percentage. But you are right. Essendon are always good value. The way they play, they always put some excitement into the game and because, they, you know, they're, they're very gun and run and they take a lot of chances. And um, as you said, Collingwood did well to contain them and to, uh, to overcome them. Mm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Essendon finished above us at, by the end of the season. And the oh, final... Sorry, go on. Which, uh, but it's just very, very interesting about Essendon because at the start of the year, or even towards last year, you had people calling for Worsfold's head and saying the list is crap and he can't coach. Well, look at this year. Well, what happened? I mean, we had the at the beginning of the year that the, the uh, knives were out for Worsfold and they got rid of Neild and look what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fact. They've played <laughs> yeah. far more attacking, aggressive, and exciting football since Mark Neal got the got the flick. You are um, right. So, you know, I don't know what that says. It could be coincidence. Uh, I don't like I don't, slamming no, I don't. blokes they, they like did, that. But they they did play how they're kind of playing now against us at the start of the year. I remember. Yeah, well, they did, and then they kind of went into their shell and. <laughs> quite bizarre anyway and uh, the last game uh, was a good one as well west coast getting up 86 to 75 over the giants over there in wa uh, in the end keeps west coast in the top four and uh, gws scratching and clawing their way trying to get back into the eight uh, i reckon the gws are probably by far the best team out of the eight i reckon yeah i think i think you're right um well they be- should be with that list well, they've got a very, very good midfield, the top midfield. Um, I lack a little bit up forward now because they've got they had two they've got two key guys out, and of course, in Cameron and Patton, and, mm. and that, that that really was what cost them the game today because um, the, their midfield was well on top. Uh, although uh, the last quarter by Natanui was freakish. He Nat, Nat, actually had to do his whole game today was really one one for the ages really, and he's taken. Two of the very great marks for the year, and one in particular, it yeah, could well be the, yeah, it could well be the mark of the year. Yeah, so, look, it was a thoroughly enjoyable game too. Yep. Anyway, uh, it leaves us um, yeah, pretty much out of contention, I reckon. Uh, and let's go straight to the Crows Tigers rap, shall we? Because again, this song is relevant. <laughs> Get ugly. Damn, that's ugly. Yeah, it was ugly once again, and we probably were in it for far longer than we should have been. Uh, Richmond getting over us in the end with a six goal three last quarter. 15 goals, 13, 103 to Adelaide, eight goals, 856, a margin there of 47 points. After we were what about sixteen points down, I think at three quarter time. Initial thoughts, guys. What did you think? Well, as I said to you off air, I, I did predict that the on air that, that we'd lose by forty five points, and oh, you know, to me the game went to script where we would uh, be very competitive in the first quarter, that they would start to exert a little bit of authority in the second quarter, that they'd increase that in the third quarter. And that then they would run over us in the last quarter, and that's exactly what did happen. 
Mm. And um, and I think it, it, it's hard for any side to beat Richmond at the MCG with the form they're in, with the squad they've got, and with the run they get. Um, uh, it's going to be very hard to beat, let alone, but let alone us with the... Uh, our patched up side where we've got players coming back with interrupted seasons, et cetera. Um, and we're still not really at full strength. And when you look at our forward line, it, I think there's a key to it all. When you look at, the, you know, with Cam, well, we've got no camera because we've lost him. Um, and, you know, there's... No bets. Well, yes, it's no bets, but um, uh, really we've got only really Jenkins, Lynch... And uh, uh, Taylor Walker, and they're all bigs. And there's no buzzing smalls around the place. And you know, the, um, I think Phoenix made the point that he thought Fogarty should be dropped to put a small in. And look, we, we were far, far too heavy up forward, and we we well, we just didn't have that ability to put pressure on them to clear the ball out of our area. Um, for me, it was uh, we would get the ball. We were actually doing quite good on the turnovers, etc. But then there was just nothing presenting, um, and and that's the problem with having those bigs who weren't presenting up. So for me, I I can understand it from Fogarty because we've seen that he just doesn't have that tank yet. He doesn't do that as much as what we would like to do. But the one who bloody should have been presenting and doing a shitload more was Hampton. And you guys were defending, you guys were um, saying, oh, yeah, he did okay. I was ropeable on him last week and I wanted him dropped for this week. And you saw exactly on Friday night why I wanted him dropped and he's out of here at the end of the year. He should not be on our list. I, I don't you, think you could have predicted uh, such an insipid performance by an AFL standard or an AFL listed player. No, um, Yeah, I could we'll get, because we'll I've been to- watching him in the SANFL. And no. Richmond, you need to apply defensive pressure, and that's one thing Hampton just does not do and is not interested in doing. Wow. Well, he, look, I can I can say that you were correct about that he didn't on mm. uh, Friday night, but I'm with uh, Phoenix, but he normally does. I, I don't know what was... No, he doesn't. He, he oh, do, yeah. his, his statistics are always very good defensively, and even on the weekend he got some ridiculous number of pressure acts. I don't know how they measure that. but uh, Yeah, well, that tells you that is, is statistics that, are just stupid. Well, they're not indicative, that's for sure. Um, but we'll get to individuals that are in a minute. Let's <laughs> have a look at the uh, head-to-heads. And uh, very interesting stats, speaking of stats, because in many respects um, we kept up uh, from a statistical perspective, um, we had 394 disposals to 449, um, 221 kicks, 173 handballs, so not a bad ratio there. Um, 96 marks to 93, 56 tackles to 61. I, th- I felt like our tackle count was a little bit low, and I, I felt, I don't know about you guys, but I felt like we were missing a lot of tackles. Uh, they were breaking a lot of tackles. Yeah, well, we were trying to tackle from too far out. Mm. Oh yeah, arm tackle. Nicky's right. Arm tackles, though. Yep. Were. Yep. And that's that's when you. I think that's an effort indicator, if you ask me. That's half-hearted. Um, Source, I thought did a right fifty to thirty-two hitouts. Uh, the freeze were reasonably consistent. We'll talk about the umpires in a minute, um, because uh, not that it was had any real impact on the game from a end result, but I thought the umpiring was pretty average. Um, yeah. Look, our you know our clearances were good. We had forty clearances to thirty-eight, and that included fourteen to ten centre clearances and uh, just minus two on stoppages. Um, and yet, I felt like 
our clearance work was where we actually lost the game simply because there was no system coming out of the clearance. So we'd source to get a tap, we'd we'd win the the clearance, and then it was either a negative handball to the back of the pack, and then a slam on the boot, or it was the guy sort of kicking around the body. There was never any system coming from our clearance work, and we didn't take advantage of that uh, of our ability to break even in that in that particular area of the game. And I think that's what made our tall forwards look so um, so stupid really because the delivery into our forwards was just horrendous and a lot of it was because we just weren't moving the ball cleanly and effectively out of stoppage. In- yeah, instead of taking it further back to create the space, we were doing that quick slam on the boot, which is exactly what Richmond want you to do, which is why Broad was mopping up because he was always positioned in that spot in the hole to the, the quick kick could only ever go to that position. It's the way Richmond play. They, they happily let teams get the clearance because they then apply that secondary pressure to force a turnover. I think Phoenix summed it up very well, actually. Um, although we, we won the clearances, they weren't clean clearances where a bloke would be breaking forward and, and looking to put it onto a chest. Uh, they were just blind kicks going forward and leaving the forwards there under the hammer. So um, it sort of runs into what you were saying too, Nicky, the same thing. But well, you just didn't have that bloke on the outside running past. Um, something where a lot of teams do that, where they get a clearance that they then fire it out to somebody running past on the outside. And we, never, we don't have that. We, we just, uh, as you said, banging on our boot and uh, most of the time because we're under a little bit of pressure and then we have, there's nobody to give it to. So... Um, it, it becomes a, not uh, the luck of the, uh, really it just suits the defender when the ball comes in like that. I, I think the, something that you said there, Macca, was it hits the nail on the head as far as I'm concerned, a lack of run. Because generally speaking, uh, you're feeding back again, generally speaking when you do um, uh, find yourselves slamming the ball onto the boot out of clearances or tight congested situations, it's because you've got no outlet. And I think lack of run was indicative of the whole game. There, there was one goal that Richmond kicked, I reckon, in the third quarter, uh, and it was from a stoppage on our half forward line, um, and the ball broke away. And as the camera panned back, as, as Richmond were transitioning through the middle of the ground, there, there was a ten metre gap between each mid, uh, Richmond midfielder and their Crows opponent. There was no movement, no run whatsoever. And when we had the pill. There was no aggressive movement to make space. Um, and when they had the pill, we, we were just unwilling to run. I remember that one you're talking about. We, 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 the ball sort of between our forward pocket and half forward flank, and I think it went Big all the way down. That. Yep. Yeah, and they got a goal out of it, I yep. memory. That's right. Um, yeah, we certainly didn't do anything like that. So no. Um, it went very valid. And, uh, yeah, it's, we, we, we don't have those quick runners, and... Uh, we we really do have to concentrate on getting midfielders with the, with the, uh, not only a lot of guts and effort to get the ball, but that really have speed. Well, I think there's an element of lack of desire there, Macca. To be honest with you, um, let's polish off these stats. Yeah, when, Sorry, yeah. Nick. When you chase when you're chasing tail um, all game, that when you've got to then do the defensive run, it just feels twice as hard. Mm, no, I think it was. A, a, it's been a, a consistent 
element of our game during the season, Nick. I, I, and yes, you're right. You, you, once your motivation drops, you you know the you start thinking, oh, it's someone else's job. But I, it's, it's endemic in our team this year. You know, let's knock these stats off. Rebound 50s, 47 to 32, probably indicative of the fact they had 67 inside 50s to 45, which, given the other statistics that we've gone through, just shows how much more effective they were with the ball because um, they didn't blow us out of the park with disposals. They didn't blow us out of the park in terms of uh, clearances, and yet they were able to deliver it into their forward lines 22 more times than us over the course of the game. Um, you know, contested possessions were reasonably even, 166 Richmond, 151 Adelaide. Our disposal efficiency, surprisingly, was reasonable. I felt we turned it over a bit. Um, you know, we held our, held our own with contested marks, 14 to 13, although marks inside 50 was horrendous, which probably feeds back to what I was saying previously. Um, you know, it, it just... Uh, stati- you'd look at the statistics here and you think, well, that sounds like a... a um, a close game. The the only other thing that well, there's two other stats. Uh, score involvements. Uh, Richmond had 113 to 69, which just showed how well they were linking up uh, to get their scores and their and their ball inside 50. And also again, tackles inside 50, and this leads back to uh, young Mr. Hampton to some respect because that's what he was picked for. Defensive forward pressure. Um, they had 13 tackles to our five inside 50. So, I, look, to me, those stats just tell me that we weren't moving the ball correctly because we certainly had enough of it. Well, you can't argue with that because uh, we never really had a lot of really good change of, of play. Um, the other thing, though, which was very relevant too, and I think Tex has got to take um, a bit of a, a blow for this, the number of times that he had the ball, uh, the chance to mark the ball as he was leading and... and couldn't couldn't hold the ball. I reckon it'd be at least half a dozen times, and that's very critical when you've got those opportunities like that, particularly with the kick that uh, Texas got on him, and uh, it, it let us down several times. Nick, it's a, it's a bit hard when Texas being double and triple teamed, and and that's my that was my problem with what was going on. As soon as you see that happening, right, Texas is the one he's leading and doing that, but you can see that he's been surrounded by Richmond players. So he's been surrounded by one or two extra Richmond players. Then where's our free player? But Nicky, why, he was why getting. Why were they being involved? He was had. He did have the hands in front, and he did have the opportunity to hold the ball, and he and he just didn't hold it. Yeah, I, I, I agree that Walker's marking has been an issue. I think it's been an issue for the majority of his career. To be honest with you, I don't. I don't think he's ever been good above his head, um, Macca. Um, I agree. Mm. Uh, but Nikki's point is really valid, and I think it, again it in, indicates uh, what we were saying earlier about ball movement, um, because you shouldn't be kicking it to a two-on-one or a three-on-one situation. And um, you know they were playing a couple behind uh, behind the ball, which is what they tend to do. They pressure around the contest and force a quick kick, and have someone sitting in front to, to take the the scramble kick, and then off they go. But it would. We picked a team to play exactly the same game style as we got thrashed on in the grand final, and the game panned out exactly the same. I, I just don't understand why we picked a team to play that to try and play that game again because we saw in the grand final it wasn't going to work. And not only that, it's not the kind of game that we played when we played them at Adelaide Oval. 
They're very, yeah, 100% right about that. Narrower ground and you can apply the pressure. Yeah, but Nikki, that's not the point. You don't, you don't revert to a, um, a, a tall, slow team against one of the most manic teams in the competition because we've already seen that that doesn't work. We saw it in the grand final last year. That doesn't work. So I'd rather see us try to run the ball aggressively like we did against them in round three or four or whenever it was when we beat them quite convincingly at Adelaide Oval rather than play a game style that is just... It's, there was never any chance that it was going to be effective against Richmond at the G. But, but I think that's what it comes down to is that that type of game style works on the narrower ground of Adelaide Oval we can try and do it on the MCG, but we fail at it. So that's actually a, a problem with our coaching staff going, okay, you've got a game style for here. It doesn't work there. There is where the grand finals played. It's got to work there. Yeah. You know, we've also missed it. Um, this is not for the, on the particular game, but uh, we and I don't know whether we, the government would ever rely out it or the council or whoever is in charge of it. But, but when Adelaide Oval was... Uh, redone it really should have been built to the specs of the the mcg they haven't missed that in perth but we've got this narrow ground which is uh, you're partly right there nikki i think that's got some effect on it. it's not the only the only effect on it also also mixed up with what phoenix was saying as well so um but i would love to us to have had a ground where that was identical the mcg then you've got there is no argument then about does this affect your game and does this is this one of the reasons why you didn't go as well as you should have? And, you know, common sense is you should have built it to the specs of where the finals are played. I don't, I don't disagree with any of that, Macca, um, but I don't think the dimensions of the ground stop you from giving a second handball and, and running to com- create space. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think you're absolute, both of you are absolutely right. It does affect you uh, tactically. Um, and uh, I, I also would have preferred that they made... I mean, I think they did make it about five or six metres wider on that eastern side, but I wish they would have gone further. But, I look, we've seen we've seen us previously uh, be reasonably successful at the MCG. It's only been in the last couple of years that uh, the game plan seems to have fallen over, and uh, a lot of us at the coalface. I mean, we did exactly the same as what we did in the grand final last year. We didn't run. We blazed away out of, out of congestion. Um, our forwards were triple teamed. I thought Josh Jenkins actually towed Alex Rance up. Yeah, um, yeah, once again. And I would have almost had Jenkins uh, in our top three best players, and we'll get to the individuals in a minute. But the problem was that we, uh, we didn't have any effective high half forwards. Taylor Walker was getting double teamed. Tom Lynch was should, was cooked and shouldn't have even been selected. Now, why does Tom Lynch get selected if he cannot play physically a game of AFL football? Like, surely you can see that on the track. Well, uh, normally his first game back is actually good and it's his second game that's shit. I'm sorry, Nikki, but he was... He was Yeah, he not, was. Yeah, no no he no. He was I, not yeah. right. Yeah, very poor game. I mean, I like Tommy and I think when Tom's fit and firing, he he really adds a dimension to our team and he really does help with that transition football that we've been struggling so much with this season. Um and I think part of the reason why our ball movement is so terrible is because we've missed Tom. But I, I just think it, I just think that the uh 
the ability to gauge whether a bloke is ready to play a game of football is something that should be an intrinsic part of your skill set as a fitness coordinator, uh, as a fitness department. And I don't understand how Tom Lynch was able to get on the ground when clearly, clearly he was at least one, maybe two SNFL games short of a run. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, but, well, there's a lot I don't like about our coaching setup at the moment. There's a lot I don't like about our training setup at the moment. There's, you know, if, if our club was serious, our board would be sitting uh, at the end of the year and they would be making some changes. Well, what the, the indication, uh, Macca, is that that won't happen. And the reason why I say that is because. Not only did we re-sign Tommy Lynch, which I can probably uh, deal with, but we re-signed um, uh, Richie Douglas, and uh, I think that could have waited a while because, uh, and we'll get into individuals now, but Douglas had another shocker. Anyway, let's get to some individual uh, stats, shall we? Because, you know, we had three blokes over 30 possessions, including our little spiritual gun, Rory Sloan, with 31. Uh, but Matty Crouch, I thought, was somewhere near back to his best, certainly in terms of getting the ball. Uh, distribution is still a bit away, uh, but he, he got it uh, 38 times, 17 kicks, 21 handballs, uh, five marks, three tackles, um, 10 clearances, four rebound 50s. He had 15 contested possessions, went at 68 uh disposal efficiency meters gained for someone who got that much of the ball was a little bit down only 381 um but i felt that crouch um was probably our best i thought he was our best um and you know him i think him with the ease of which some he he reads the ball and gets it is an embarrassment to some of our other players who, who really touch it because um the guy just gives a hundred percent effort, and he's he's prepared to take a blow and a knock to get the ball. Um, and he he takes some pretty hard knocks through the course of the game, Matty Crouch. But he just keeps going in hard, and he earns the ball. And um, you know, I, I liked his game. Yeah, you, probably you'd like to have got a little bit further distance, but then maybe there wasn't the opportunity to give it to anybody there. <laughs> well, that's a good moment. that's a good point, Mako. That's a good point. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of movement. And he's, yeah. he's never actually been the longest kick anyhow. So his no. metres games in terms of those possessions, that's a, um, a bit more on par for him. Yeah. I Like you guys, that was closer to back to how he was playing last year. We saw it in the last quarter last week. Um, so it was nice to get that continuity. He's doing it against a pretty decent midfield. Um, I think that kind of helps to elevate him a bit as well. Um, I quite like Sauce's game as well, and I think that impacts a lot on how Crouch can then play. Yep, no doubt, Nick. Um, and Source did have a good game. Uh, Laird, 19 and 16 for 35, took six marks, two inside 50s, uh, eight rebound 50s, uh, seven contested possession, again went under 70%, um, but had good metres game, 547, which was just about team high, I think. Yep, team high, 547 metres gain. But turn it over 11 times, um, and that's probably my knock on Rory's game this weekend, um, was the fact that he didn't look as assured by foot as he normally does. No, he didn't, but uh, he look, he was a warrior. There's no doubt about it. He played like a warrior. And uh, in his last quarter, uh, you know, I, I, just, I just thought, uh, you know, Rory just kept fighting to the end and, and, and risking his body all the time. And 
I'm very, very sad that I think this guy's definitely going to leave us at the end of the year. And Rory um, Laird. Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about Sloney. Oh, come on, mate. No, Laird. Laird. Oh, sorry, I heard the Rory went straight to Sloney. <laughs> <laughs> We've well, that, got three well, of them. Well, I'm looking at him in, the, in all the stats, and he's number two, you see. So. No, Laird's number two. No, but in order, sorry. In oh, order, okay. Uh, right yeah. Anyway. Sorry, Laird. No, Laird, Laird. No, well, the desk, as they call him, I call him the human stump because, he's, but he's fantastic. He just, he, he's a guy that he, I don't know how the hell he takes those overhead marks and his height, but he's fantastic and he just risks his body all the time as well. He and he does. He really is one that does use the ball most of the time. Yeah, well, that was my knock, I guess, uh, Maka, that I, I, I felt like he was a little bit less assured than usual. It was a, look another great game from Rory. And what I love about Letty is that he reads the ball so well, reads the play really well. Puts himself in excellent uh, positions. Um, but, again, it might have been indicative of what was happening up the ground ahead of him um, that he did uh, burn it a little bit. Uh, we'll get the, to... Sli- the prob- just quickly on Laddie um, and his turnovers, and it's something that we've all commented on, is whilst he's kind of good by foot, they're still high kicks. Mm. Yep. And they've always been that way. He doesn't do a little, nice little bullet pass. They're always up in the air and... You can't do that against Richmond. Yep. Yeah. You, and we did that a bit, actually. We hung the ball up um, and allowed them to close space. I, I noticed that. At, whether it's just a confidence thing or, or something, I'm not no, sure. That's, but. That's, up, that's what Richmond do. They deliberately do that to get those high kicks. Yeah, but, I mean, just because that's what your opposition wants you to do doesn't mean you do it. And I, I feel like no, our true. disposal has, has dropped as our confidence levels have dropped. Anyway. Uh, Sloney for you, Macca, 15 and 16 for 31, took too much, seven tackles, 11 clearances if you don't mind, 18 contested possessions, uh, a little bit down on efficiency, 64.5. And interesting to note, um, and I'll highlight this again, but just about without exception, or probably seed is the only exception, all our midfielders were under 70% disposal efficiency uh, this week, which is interesting. Um, stop his clearances. Yeah, well, I, I love. Sorry, I love game in terms of effort, though. You know, the amount he does—he does risk his uh, body all the time. He just goes in there without any thought about getting hurt, and uh, you know, he's definitely got to be going. Otherwise, he would have signed by now or, or given some indication that he was going to stay. And there's certainly nothing like that. And when you hear his answers, whether going or whether he's staying, it. You really just get the impression that he's going, and that's look. And I don't feel the same way about him going as I do with Dangerfield. I was annoyed about that, and Sloane's probably earned the right to go. But um, look, he is a warrior, and I, I just wonder what our side's going to be like without a, a warrior like him, like him next year. When you've got blokes like Hampton who got two possessions, and mm. you know, and a, bloke, and a bloke like him who's busted his guts to get and risk his body to get thirty-one possessions, you know. So uh, yeah. No, a very good game by Rory. As, knock on Rory, he doesn't always use it very well, but you know he just earned some very, very hard balls. And they were they were actually tagging him a little bit, and that's interesting because the past two games he's actually been tagged a bit, and he hasn't gone into his shell like we have previous, like we've seen previously. So obviously, whilst he had the time off, he was actually did some work on that. Um, I, I quite liked his game. 
um, again, for those pressure acts, that desperation, that's everything that we know that Rory can give. And he's, and pretty much you would know that any other team would love to have him in their side. Yep, it's going to be nice to get two picks for him. Um, next lad. One and two. Oh. So we can get Lacocious and Rankin? Well, uh, we can talk about that a little bit further later on if you like. Um, Tommy Diday, I know that everyone's up and about about Stevenson, but my God, this lad's having a season. 8 and 20 for 28, took eight marks, four tackles, two inside 50s, uh, 11 contested possessions, went at 90% disposal efficiency, if you don't mind, 7-1 percenters, uh, 12 intercept possessions. Uh, the kids are going to be a star, just an absolute star. He's a rock at halfback. He already is one. Well, you know, he he is actually a statue to the one time that Nicky was right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been right more times than that, and you've said so. So, yeah, but I was probably drunk when I said it. Um, <laughs> but uh, you, Nicky, did predict it here before he came on the scene. She said he is going to be a gun, and I tell you what, Nicky. He is a gun. He's yep. every bit as good as you. I thought you were just piffling on a bit, but, you know. <laughs> no, I can spot talent. I can spot talent. Uh, yeah, I, even I, I a broken clock's right twice a day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, I told you Hampton was poo. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, yeah, two times. Anyhow, anyhow he, was, he was outstanding. I thought he, yeah, he, he was, Jason McCain put a star up against his name, and he was a star. And I honestly feel he has deserved the right to be the rising star of the year because when you go through his game, game after game after game, he's under pressure with the ball coming at him and he's got to, he's got to earn his ball. It's none of this business of being in... in yeah, like, he, uh, he's not a second rotation midfielder or a small forward that can butt in. and like He's under the gun, isn't he, Macca? He, he's yeah. an integral part of our defence. And just the way he has felt like... You just watch him play and it's like... You're watching a hundred game player. It's for me. He's like he's not as tall, but he's the second coming of Talia, and and that's what I could kind of see glimpses of in the SANFL. Was he just had that composure, and I think he's. Um, so whilst as much as I love Tiles, and I actually think Tiles is the best fullback in the AFL, um, he's more proactive in terms of his. So the, it's a beautiful complement of those two together. Yeah, no, no, I thought he was excellent. You know, if, if every player played with the same dedication that he did, we wouldn't get beat. Yeah. Um, Bryce Gibbs, I thought, was just a bit of a nothing game, really. 16 and 9 for 25, four marks, five tackles, three inside 50s, uh, six rebound 50s, so he played a little bit behind the ball, Seven, only seven contested possessions. Went at 56%. This is a guy that is supposed to be a classy footballer and, and classy by foot, 56% disposal sufficiency. And he was the bloke that was Hedges. responsible for bloody bombing it out of clearances every second time. And I just wonder whether that's a Carlton trait or something. I don't know, because it was always Gibbs that was kicking around the body or scrambling and kick forward. And, and he doesn't seem capable of looking for the give uh, and I know that there may not have been too many options but I, I think it's it's a part of his game he really needs to work on. Yeah, if you look if you remember, uh, look back at when he used to play for Carlton um, he played a different game, a different role than he's playing at the moment. If we'd had Brad Crouch playing, Gibbs would be out of it, but he'd be able to play the role that uh, he was intended to play 
which is basically they fire the handball out to him out in the open. And he used to get a... Uh, I always used to see him as a receiver at Carlton, not mm. earning the hard ball. And that once you go out in the open receiving the ball, you've got an opportunity. And he has got the skill to, to, to deliver the ball very well in, under those circumstances. He's now been thrust into the middle and really taking Brad Crouch's role. And uh, that's not a role that he's uh, as an expert at as he is in, when he's a receiver on the outside. And uh, and I think that's uh, been demonstrated by exactly what you're saying. Most of his uh, disposals out in the middle of the ground are just jamming it onto his boot blindly. Do you reckon, Macca, that it's a little bit of light father, light son? Because Ross Gibbs was an absolutely beautiful kick of the football. And I just, I just wonder whether he taught Bryce just to kick the damn thing. And uh, it's just, you know, carried on throughout his career because, uh, you know, nine handballs for a midfielder is uh, certainly against trend and uh, he didn't use the ball. Anyway, uh, one bloke I thought uh, was probably didn't play four quarters, but I, I felt like it was his most consistent game for a while. Hugh Greenwood had 22 touches, 10 and 12 um, kicked goal as well um, three tackles uh, which is a bit down for him eight clearances though 15 contested possessions when at 68 uh, not a lot of metres gained again from Hugh that's probably the knock uh, but he is really in and under and I felt like it was his best game for a while most of the ball he uh, obtains is under a lot of pressure a lot of and he's using, using his body to crash in and get the ball and just jam it on the boot. So, yeah, you're not going to be too accurate like doing it like that, but at least he is getting it and, and trying to move, get it moving in, in the right direction towards our goal. And uh, uh, you would never accuse this guy of not trying. No, he's always trying to be creative, yeah. and, and that's what we've always liked about him. The, the knock on him is that he doesn't have the pace, unfortunately. Yeah. And yeah. other teams have figured that out and are trying to exploit that. Yeah, but I reckon used correctly in, in a well-balanced midfield, he's a weapon. And I would, Spot on. I'm, I'm the same as you, Nick. I'd love to see him work on his burst speed uh, during the off-season and, uh, and just see if he can get a little bit of breakaway speed to give himself some time to dispose and deliver the ball uh, more effectively and dangerously. But if we put the right midfield around... Hugh Greenwood and Matt Crouch, um, then I think he, he's got a definite role to play. And 22 touches is a good return for Hugh. Um, look, of the rest, I won't go through everyone, but I'll pick and choose a couple here. We've talked about Lynchy. Um, I thought Daniel Talia... Yeah, we'll get there, we'll get there. Okay. Uh, I thought Daniel Talia, despite uh, having some foot issues earlier on, um, I just again, he just showed how how important he is for us. Um, he's really, I reckon, his games just uh, returned to somewhere near his best form over the last few weeks, and I, I, I felt like he was a bit of a standout again. Eight marks across halfback um, to go along with eighteen disposals, and I, I just and he went at seventy eight percent disposal efficiency and ten intercept possessions. Uh, so between him and today, twenty two intercept possessions. Uh, across that half-back line. I thought he was really good, Daniel Talia. Yeah, excellent game. And if everybody... If, if all the players played with the same absolute determination that Talia does, you wouldn't get beaten too often because he he hates being beaten. You can tell it. He just really hates it. Mm. And, um, Two days the same. Yeah, and look, um, 
players that play like that, they, they, they will always play well and consistently. And uh, Taylor, I, I still think uh, that he, he is probably the best uh, backman in the competition. Um, he don't, yeah, he's not as leery as uh, the Richmond guy who thinks he's Hollywood. But um, Well, Rance got shut down again. It's, he struggles when he's got a man up. Rance only had 15 touches and only took three marks for the night. Um, and they uh, even tried to play him on Fogarty at times. Again, again, exactly the same as last time. They tried to free yeah. him up. And, and it uh, still didn't work because Fogg was actually better at that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, but, I, I but felt that, like Fogg ran – sorry, Mac, I, I felt like Fogarty ran to good positions to get Rance out of the equation. Um, and when yeah, Rance had to had to go saying. one-on-one, um, he, he, he wasn't up to it. So Talia yeah. for mine is a tonne better. But he is so overrated, Rance. I reckon if he passed wind, they'd say that was fantastic. <laughs> but he would look so pretty whilst doing so, oh, Macca. Yeah. Um, for me, that that start of the game where we actually control the play, and we've got to have four fucking goals. Mm. Um, and Talia was just immense. And then I saw the injury, and I'm like, oh yep. no, just please don't. And when he came back on, and they're all like, oh, I don't think he come back on. He doesn't look, you know. You know, he doesn't look right, doesn't look right. It's like he never looks right. But yeah. the way he still managed to play out that game and yeah. was still so effective, I actually think our defence did really well in spite of us losing by 57 points. Well, I agree with you, Nicky. I, I, I felt like our – and I think Don Pike um, mentioned it in his presser that, you know, our, our defence was under siege for a lot of that game, 62 inside 50s to – yeah. You know, whatever we had, um, 67 to 45. So I, I thought, you know, and even Kyle Hardigan, who obviously had some uh, forgettable um, disposal issues, I, I felt like Kyle did his primary job well. Um, he played uh, well on Revolt. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, Revolt had a huge impact on the game and Revolt got most of his possessions high up the ground. Um, so I don't think our defence was actually the problem. I, as I mentioned at the beginning, I, I, I feel like it was our midfield. Um, and it wasn't because of Sam Jacobs either, who I, I felt continued to play reasonably well, although probably wasn't quite as involved in in the run of play as what he was uh, against West Coast. So Nan Curvis is, I reckon Nan Curvis is a tricky, tricky opponent. Um, but, He's a very uh, competitive, very competitive yes. beat. Yes, very much like the bloke he replaced, Marich, I reckon, a similar player. Uh, but Source had 11 touches, took five marks, 42 hitouts, of course. Um, so from that perspective, he did really well. And, um, and when they when they started getting a little bit on top of the midfield was when they were actually reading his taps. And he was, once again, like we saw last week, he was tapping to different places. Yes. Richmond had to actually rove to him. It's a noticeable change, isn't it, over the last couple of weeks that, yeah. that he is mixing so up his ruck work a bit that, more. his back, he can actually twist. Mm. Yeah, um, which begs the question, why didn't they bloody rest him when we had a couple of alternatives sitting in the twos? Because <laughs> anyway, they were injured too. No, before that, before that, Riley O'Brien wasn't injured when Source did his back. Um, I, I felt like Richmond he played was, Paul's... He was actually... Riley O'Brien and round. Yes, I th- he was still being. In- he was no. He was being played when he wasn't quite right with his shoulder. We probably had Paul Hunter could have had a crack. Anyway, whatever. Um, he did no. He did his ankle early on. I felt like Richmond played Seedsman really well. I, I felt like they drew him away from the play as much as they possibly could. 
Um, but the other thing that I, and it might have just been my perception, but C to me played like a frustrated person. Did any either of you guys think that? I didn't. I didn't pick that up. Uh, but you're right about dragging him out to play, and they they certainly tried to do that. But yeah, they 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 didn't quite get it in the first quarter, but after that, they managed to to drag him and keep him out a bit more. He he still had cameos. Yeah, but he wasn't. Time, but he needs to. He needs to get a little bit smarter about that. This is what teams are going to try and do to him. Yeah, well, and it would be new to him. Uh, you know, teams actually recognizing him as a as a key um, component of our transition, our ball movement, uh, and they're starting to put work into him, which is probably a first for him. But you know, he only had the eight kicks, unfortunately, for eighteen touches, took four marks. Um, Went at 83% disposal efficiency and still got 429 metres gain, so not terrible. Um, and certainly not as terrible as the next guy, Richard Douglas, who... Oh, I just shake my head. Uh, yeah. Nothing about yeah. Richard's game at the moment. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, for large parts of this year, we could probably say that Richard Douglas tried, but I don't think at any stage... Um, we I, I've felt as if he's been the player that he should be as the most senior player in the team, and I only have seventeen touches, twelve and five. Um, go to sixty-five percent disposal efficiency, only eight contested possessions, and it's like twice he uh, was second to the ball and get, and then gave away frees. Um, it was a dirty night for Richie, and I. I don't know whether his midfield days are numbered, actually. He seems like he's too sluggish. Well, Mrs. Macker and you would have a great fight for for the I hate Richard Douglas uh, <laughs> club because she, she keeps saying the same things you say. Um, no, she's a not, very good judge. She, she's not a, not a fan of him at all. and she, she wouldn't even have him in the team. And I think probably... He, there is nobody to replace him at the moment, but no. that day may well come. Yeah, well, I, I was terrible. Whilst he didn't have a good game, and you're right with a whole lot of those things, for me, he was one of those few forwards we actually had who was trying to do actual run, though. And that's that's my problem. In his primary, he was actually trying to do it. In his primary role, Nicky, as a midfielder, um, he didn't run. He didn't make space. He wasn't uh, at the contest. Uh, he falls over. Um, yeah, no, sorry, not a fan. Um, I don't. I'm also not a fan of playing Jake Kelly on the wing. Uh, I just no. Don't. He was bugger the poor bugger. Yeah, yeah but I yeah. just don't think he's got the tools to be a wingman, does he? No, he's not a wingman. No, he's. I think if we're playing him on the wing, we play him on the wing in a defensive. Uh, role, which is why um, I wanted Wilson to come in mm. because you could put Wilson on the wing, which would send Jake Kelly back um, and use him on short bursts on the wing to relief or, you know, if we get an injury. Uh, I wanted Wilson in that team. Uh, I don't think Wilson would have been the answer, just another slow uh, winger. Yeah, he wouldn't have added much, Nicky. Uh, Lockie Murphy was the one. I, I don't understand why we didn't. I, agree, I do Murphy. agree with that. Yeah, that's the one that should have been in. I actually think Lockie Murphy's we're, been we're stiff playing, this year. We're, we're playing Gallucci and Paholki too high, but the, also the problem is 
with both of those is their midfielders. And you could see it at one point where we had a high ball come in and we actually had a nice contest going on. Tex brought the ball forward because he couldn't mark it, but he brought it forward to that front and square. Holke was standing off to the side. He'd run in, but he'd run in to be to the side of the contest instead of coming through that front and square. And mm. that's more a midfielder than a forward. Or, or a true and, small and forward yeah. rather than a And, mass, and uh, that's what you would see Murphy yeah. do. Yeah, exactly right. It's Eddie Betts front and square every 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 time, you know, and, and Lockie would be the same. And, uh, you know, I think it's good that we've got games into Jordan and, and Paholke, although Paholke I think looks a bit cooked, uh, to be honest. Um, but I'm not as, uh, like, he got ripped up on the big footy boards. I... I I think he's got a future, but uh, I think oh, he's been—I think he's been asked to do uh, to play far too many minutes this year. You know, probably uh, through lack of alternatives, but also being played out at a position. And it's unfortunate that we've got a, a few blokes in his uh, in his role at the moment as an inside sort of mid. Um, and so by he's the look of do. it. By the look of it, in the SNFL, Riley Knight had um, quite a decent game. So yeah. be interesting if he comes in. He tends to play well against Geelong. Oh, Knight has to come in for Hampton, surely. Oh, easily. So, <laughs> I, I, I think Knight could have had like played a quarter on one leg and got picked over Hampton. <laughs> easily. Um, quickly uh, to finish off. Um, Jenkins, as I mentioned earlier, I felt like he, I, I, you know, everyone knows that I'm not a fan of Josh Jenkins, but I, I feel like he's really making himself uh, valuable in terms of a trade prospect to the Gold Coast Suns um, because <laughs> he's he's very competitive, um, his ruck work has improved, um, and you can't knock his effort. And he has been playing uh, with blokes hanging off him, and uh, I think that. Uh, it's really good to have Josh in this vein of form because if we can get a, uh, a high second or even a, a low first for him uh, at season's end over to the Suns, um, that will help us get into uh, the South Australian lads in the first round of the draft this year. Now you keep saying They that. might be after two brothers, though. That's what the talk is. Who's that? The Victoria brothers, the Suns. Which brothers? From the under-18s comp. Well, one didn't play. Was it King oh, or something like oh, that? Oh, you're, you're talking about the twins? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you were talking about uh, yeah, but, draft, um, uh, trading. But, no, I just want to query feed about this. You, mm. You've said this about five or six times now mm. um, about Jenkins and the Suns. Mm. Is there any interest ever been shown by them in Jenkins? I'll tell you what, I'm interested yeah, know, no, he's interested. I'm interested because in JJ's actually playing well. I uh, know you're you're interested, but is Jenkins interested in going? And is the Gold Coast interested in having him? It's well, so good. Jenkins would have gone to the Brisbane Lions for seven hundred and fifty. Uh, look at look at the situation that the Suns are in with their forward line. Um, you know they don't have um, a consistently good tall forward, and I think Jenkins would fit into their structure quite well. And I think uh, I think we should uh, make the money ball decision, and and particularly with the uh, the way the draft looks for us this year, with uh, those four lads in the in probably all going in the first round. Um, I think I we can. Do, we'll, I'm sure we'll discuss this more on Tuesday night. Um, but 
in my view, uh, I think the squad is cooked. Um, I think that there's nothing more that this squad can achieve. I think that's probably the reason why Sloney has put off signing because I think he wanted to see if there was any more bark in the dog at Adelaide and I think he's come to the conclusion that no, there isn't, rightly so. And I think as a consequence of that, it would be absolutely irresponsible of the club not to do everything possible to situate ourselves uh, appropriately to have the best possible chance of getting Lukosius and Rankin at the very, very least, um, and perhaps one of um, Rosie and uh, the other guy. Always oh, no, Hayley would be the one. I'd, I'd really like him. Yeah. Mostly Hayley in that game. He's a good player. Yeah, Hayley. but Rankin's a, Rankin and Lukosius are, are once-in-generation players, and for them oh, to be God, South yes. Australian uh, means that they're not flight risk Um and we've got we've got at the moment. What have we got at the moment? We've got two or three first rounders. We've got two at the moment, haven't we? Two and a possible, and then the end of the, then, the first and the second round. Yeah. So uh, you know, two for Sloane, uh, one for Jenkins, and if McGovern decides to bugger off, then probably another at least one for for him. All of a sudden, we've got six or seven. First round draft picks, and if we can't turn that into Lacocious and Rankin, there's something freaking wrong. And I just oh. think it. I just the think our is, club though, needs to be realistic about where this squad is, and this squad is done. The, the, prob- the problem is, though, Phoenix is there's also live trading of picks that come into play. Yep, but that's this year because there's that bit of stupidity as well. Yep, but if we position ourselves correctly, we should be able to take advantage of that situation, Nikki. Because yeah, because I, I do think that probably one of the best predictors of the um, the draft is actually Hamish. Mm. Yeah, well, there's no need to predict. There really is no need to predict. Lukosius will go one or two. Rankin will go in the top three. We just need to make sure that those two boys end up in Adelaide Crows colours. Nothing, nothing else matters. And in our current position... The only thing that will stop that from happening is if the club pig-headedly try to play out the season as hard as possible and get an honourable ninth or tenth and then are too conservative at the trade table um, to not push on uh, blokes like um, Rory, who I'm with you, Macca. You know, thanks for your service. Go and, go and see if you can jag something with Hawthorne in the twilight of your career. Um, and JJ, who has had a very good season but is not... It's not a shadow of what um, young Lacocious is going to be as a key as a key forward. Well, I don't think you get you won't get two light you won't get two first rounders for Rory. But um, yes, you will. I, I, well, if you have you have a look, like Hawthorne, they're going to finish higher than us at the end of the year. So um, their their pick is going to be um, out. You know, several. Is there uh, a fr- is there a restrictive free agent so we can match anything? Um, I understand that, uh, but if if we allow him to go, as a, we would then get the pick, the next pick after us. In yeah. the, it'd be worth a first rounder. So I'm I'm with you, like in the sense that we should be, well, I'm not going to say tanking, but not necessarily trying to finish too high up, so that we can uh, get two pretty good picks that would easily then be able to convert into. Uh, like a one or a two. Well, our first round pick is probably going to be five or six, and then if Rory goes, that'll be six or seven, 
and then on top of that we've got Melbourne's first rounder which was probably going to be about what 10 um, or 12 maybe and then uh, all I'd be about 12 I'd say yeah. yeah 12 and then uh, if we got rid of Jenkins I'm sure we could get a first rounder for Jenkins uh, so that would give us five um, one two I'm not Three, sure whether you five. would get a first rounder for Jenkins oh, because I think you would. No, because well, um, sixty dollar a year key to, forward. Yeah, yeah, but you probably you probably have to throw in something else because they wouldn't want us to have three first round draft picks. Oh, I'm happy to throw uh, in something else. Rory Atkins. <laughs> but look, I, I think we're in a. I think we've got some currency, and I think that uh, it would be bereft of the club. To uh, ignore that, and if we just if we go vanilla on this on this situation, where we've got an opportunity to reset our squad for the next ten years with some absolute dead set quality, um, we've got good juniors. We've got lads like Darcy. We've got Jordan Gallucci. We've got um, you know uh, we've got Ben Davis and Himmelberg. Yeah, Elliot Himmelberg is a forgotten bit of a forgotten man at the moment, um, and Ben Davis is sort of pushing claims as well. We've got good young lads. What we lack is quality in the 24 to 28 uh, age group because, and that all comes back down to the tippet sanctions and us being out of the draft for those that period of time and we ended up with blokes like Atkins who was a good speculative pick but in the end just isn't going to pan out. Um, and I, just, I just, feel, just feel like we need to take advantage of the situation because it's not going to happen again. The, the only problem is the... the the place where we really have an issue is our midfield and it's speed in our midfield and yep. that's not Lukosius and Rankin. Oh, I don't know. Rankin's, Rankin's oh, Rankin might be able to. Rankin's a quick midfielder. He, yeah, don't worry about that. He's tiny. I, I think he's small, Rankin, though. Rankin is a master. Just watching the guy play, he is an absolute master. Oh, completely. He's he's the next Eddie. Um, no, 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 Nicky. He's not, he's not Eddie. He is a, mid, he's a genuine bona fide Midfielder. How tall is he? One eighty-three, I think. Yeah, he just—he's believe it or not. He's, okay, he, so he's a bit taller than what I thought. He—he's just—I've seen him in the SNFL and he looks small. But you know, the, or think, that could be just the way he plays. Well, the, 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 those who say he's the next Andrew McLeod. Yeah, he is a dead set midfielder. Dead oh, set completely. Midfielder. I uh, no, I, I agree with you guys that he's a star. Um, but I wasn't too sure about what his tank, et cetera, would be like for a midfield, or would he be like Wingard? Well, no, and that you look at him and, and you think he, you could do it, but we know Wingard's lazy. He played it. He played in the under-18 competition as a midfielder and messing up forward. And yep. admittedly, he spent a fair bit of time up forward, but he was in the middle several times. Yeah, he okay. is a Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't see those games, so... Yeah. Oh, you, you should have watched the one, the last one against Victoria. I did recommend that to people, and I tell you what, uh, you wouldn't be disappointed because uh, the guys that we are interested in, they unfortunately they all stood out like bloody dogs balls. Yeah, they did. Yeah, and can we, tell, that, can we tell Smithers off for coaching them too well? Well, yeah, they made that a little bit harder for us to get them, and um, even like, like Hately, uh, he I thought very impressive. Yeah, is it Valenti who's the captain? The Sorry? Norwood boys? Who's the, who's the, no, who's the Norwood boys the, who was the captain? Oh, uh, is it Valenti? I think it's Valenti, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I saw a couple of things that he did. They were really nice. Yeah, that wasn't necessarily his best game of the, of the competition. And, yeah. uh, um, 
he, he's a good player. But if if I had, if you said I could have three, there's no doubt to be Lacacious and Rankin, and you don't have to be Einstein uh, to get that one. I reckon even you'd get that one right, Nicky. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you're just, so lucky just you're a not left, here. Left right combo going on here. <laughs> and, and, That's only because I've been proven right a couple of times tonight. He can't handle it. And uh, uh, Hately would be the third one. <laughs> Yeah. Look, and uh, this is my point. Rarely have we seen such quality stock come out of South Australia. And it just happens to to coincide with a down year for us. And, you know, I'm not saying tank, but I'm saying we've got got an opportunity to give Tex a rest uh, and give Davis a run, you know, or give Lynchy a rest and give Davis a run or Elliot uh, Himmelberg um, give him a run. We've got to start being um, proactive and realistic about our list management and our squad. And if we just continue to plough along like we are, the season is done. We are not going to win a flag. We're not going to make the eight. So let us be proactive and take some of these young South Australian guns. Because in terms of losing players like Dangerfield, you're not going to lose an Isaac Rankin. You're not going to lose a, a Lacocious. You're not going to lose a Hately because they're South Australian lads. So I'll be seriously disappointed if we don't um, take advantage of this draft crop. It's a guilt edge opportunity for us. Oh, and yeah, I think it is probably the once in a generation opportunity for us to do it. But uh, probably have to make a lot of sacrifices to do it. Uh, you would do it, I would do it, but will the club do it? Well, and that's the $64 million question, Macca. It, it, and, you know, I hate ragging the club, but it's gotten to the point with me that if they don't go hard and aggressive at this draft, then to me it will indicate that they are more interested in being perpetually competitive than winning premierships. That's my view. Well, you know, we're not, we aren't, we aren't going, look, we're not going to win a flag this year. And uh, uh, it's really, really doubtful even if we went flat out that we can make the finals. And yet, you know, if we don't go flat out and win two or three more games um, and, get, and get ourselves in a position, we, all, we, all we're likely to do is move ourselves two or three positions up in the, uh, exactly. or, or, in the order mm. and make it harder for us to get these. So what's the point? Well, Really, you know, I would think that if the board, if the club had any sense at all, the board would get together with the um, coaches and the assistant coaches, etc., and plan the rest of the year how where we're going to and what we should be doing to get, as you say, to optimise our position in the draft. Time will tell, and I think it'll be very indicative of the attitude of the club overall, um, and my. Unfortunately, my gut feel is that we place more importance on being perpetually competitive than we do on actually being proactive about winning premierships. And I guess I'd love to be wrong. And I guess the next six to eight weeks, or probably 12 weeks, if you include the draft and t- trade period, will be the uh, we'll see the truth of that come out. Um, not only that, but the, the way the we handle our fitness so- department. If we do anything like that, if you actually have the board meeting with that, the AFL would find out about it and we would get done for tanking. No, no, no. no not at all. Not at all. No, if, the AFL would do us for tanking. 
No, Nikki, they not do anybody else, but they would do us. Nikki, you know what? That's not a that's not a reason not to manage your list. We can justify not playing Lynch. He's had bloody viral meningitis, chronic fatigue, glandular fever, concussion issues. Give him four weeks off and play Ben Davis. You know, Tex has had his foot. He's not fit. He's too heavy. He's out of form. Get games into Elliot Himmelberg. You know, Charlie, Charlie, no, Himmelberg, you'd swap for Jenkins. Well, either way, you, you know, I mean, we've there are plenty of opportunities to give these young lads uh, games. Oh, um, yeah, no, I don't, and I don't have a problem with that. In, it's I, not tanking no. in doing so. We know it's not, mm. but if we tried to do anything like Macca was suggesting about having the, a meeting, etc., the AFL would freaking hear about it and we would get done because they would do that to us. They would finally find a club guilty of tanking and it would be us. No, I'd no, do it anyway. It, no, it'd be more along the lines, Nikki, of um, that... You know, no, it doesn't uh, matter what the lines would be. I know how the AFL would see it, and they would do us for it. Well, thank you for letting me have put my argument up there, Nikki. But, um, <laughs> I, was, I was wrong before without saying anything. Then, <laughs> so it doesn't matter, Nikki. Look, oh, Fiend and I, we're sure there's ways you could do it. Yep. Um, let's wind that up because that's really a conversation for Tuesday night, and I'm sure that. Um, we will continue that conversation. Let's just quickly do our awards and get into the cockwomble. So um, does anyone not... Oh, come on. What's going on here? Here we go. Um, Jet of the Week. Who Does anyone think that it wasn't Matty Crouch? Uh, no, Matty Crouch. Yeah. yeah. I don't mention Sitals and um, Duday. What do you reckon, Matt? Sorry, for the, the best player? Yep. And um, Matty Crouch definitely in for month for me. Yep. And uh, and I'd probably have Duda in second spot. Yeah, I, I'm with Nick. Uh, I reckon Matty Crouch with honourables to uh, Tommy Duday and Daniel Talia. I thought both those yeah. played well. And also Josh Jenkins, despite low numbers. Yeah. I felt uh, like his uh, energy and application were there, and he certainly he created an impact. Yep, certainly Good. gave the All Australian yep. centre half back a touch up. Good effort, game. Yeah. Yep. Um, breakout award definitely, uh, I would imagine, is a bit of a laydown. Yep. Tommy today. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and. <laughs> oh, oh, we can spend a while on this one. I actually think I'm going to rename this award the Perpetual Kirtley Hampton Wake Up Award or the Memorial <laughs> Kirtley Hampton Wake Up Award. Memorial simply because we'll be remembering the career that he just absolutely finished on. I, look, the only thing I could possibly think of is that he was injured. Um, but even so, uh, no. his numbers were horrific. And um, I reckon, yeah, you raise a point there. I honestly think he played with injury and tried to cover it up. And never told them. But um, I watched. No, him they can't do. No, they can't do that. They get well, out, Macca. Well, they got found out right because I was watching him try to chase. And, he, and look, he's normally got a reasonable amount of speed. And uh, he, I reckon an elephant would have beat him. He was running that slowly. Well, the um, thing, when he was chasing that ball back, he was actually beating that, I forget the other guy's name, was it Grick? He was beating that other guy for pace. But as soon as that guy made contact with him, he just gave that's up. What he, 
Yeah, that's what he doesn't like. Just gave up. And not only that... That's what I've been telling you. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. But not only that, I've never seen Hampton do that, Nick. Like, come on, that's an extreme situation. And not only that, he he gave up the chase for the ball, but then he didn't even chase on the way out either. It was horrific. And I don't know how he was able to stay on the ground after that. Why didn't Pike just make an example and go, Curly, you're out of there? Because that was... If I saw that as a coach, I'd be thinking this bloke doesn't want to be there. I would have taken him off and played short for the rest of the game. Yep. So the Kirtley Hampton AFL Career Memorial <laughs> Wake Up Award goes to Kirtley Hampton. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And probably uh, probably candidate for the next one as well. Um, I actually need some help on this because I didn't watch a lot of football oh. over the weekend, unfortunately. Well, my but... nomination goes to Nikki for not actually preparing for the only thing. One job, Nikki. <laughs> One no, I do. Job. I do have. I have a nomination here, which I found hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is all the Port supporters who got very upset <laughs> about the song the SA team sang. What was that after they won? Me. Well, they sing with the pride of South Australia, with a mighty SA team. Do they really? Yep. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they do. I don't know when that started, but that's our, that's that's the South Australian song. And oh my god, with the hissy fits galore. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> Didn't oh, I wonder what they used to sing back in the back in the day yeah, in the State of Origin know. games? Did they ever actually sing anything? I don't, I don't know. I can't. I can't remember. No, but I think PJ's probably got got it right. The AFL should get it for, for that bloody uh, rule about what's it called? Where you're not allowed to go within ten meters. Anti density. Oh, the the protected area rule. The protected area rule. Did they change it, or did they just say you have to enforce it this way? It's their interpretation they changed. No, there were very there were varying interpretations over the weekend. There were some that wouldn't pay it virtually at all. And I saw some <coughs> poor, cough, dusty, cough. I saw some poor little prick go when the bloke's <laughs> actually taken the mark, and and he happened to be standing near him when he when he took the mark and went immediately for being in the protected area. Oh, you know, I think the yeah. AF, I think the AFL gets a second one too for this ridiculous confusion that's around the thirty second shot clock. Because now, even though a bloke's got 30 seconds to, to take his shot, the umpires are calling them to hurry up and play on if it's deemed that they're deliberately wasting time. Now, you can't have your cake and eat it too. If you're going to give a bloke 30 seconds to have a shot for goal, sorry, guys, you've got to, you got give him 30 seconds. You can't, like, you've got umpires calling... Yeah, you can do what he did with it. You've yeah, got umpires calling play on 15 seconds into a 30-second shot clock. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but the package blew that the week before, didn't Doesn't he? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter still, if he blew it. Yeah, but he stood in the gold square, you know, grinning like an idiot, thinking this was great. But, but I, that's the rule I, maker. But I told you at the time it looked very bad for the game and I knew that was going to bring a rebound. Yeah, so yeah. what you do is you don't have the umpire calling play on when the bloke's got the shot clock. Because if I, if I was a bloke that got called play on while I'm 15 seconds into a shot clock... I would have put the ball under my arm and pointed at the scoreboard. 
at the 30-second clock because yeah. what, what's a bloke supposed to do and how is an umpire supposed to make yet another interpretation about whether the guy's uh, wasting time or not? I know Stringer made it obvious, but there's been a couple of examples this weekend where it hasn't been obvious and the umpire yeah. is now calling play on in the, while the guy is trying to take a kick for goal. Well, what actually happens is this, is that the, there, are, there are rules originally. Then, the, then we get interpretations coming into yep. it, and the umpires don't have the, really. They have no feel. They have no football intelligence whatsoever with the decisions that they make when they've given it's these not, interpretations. It's I'm not thinking, so much. Not so much defend them. No, it's because what you've got is you've got different coaches in different states, so they're being told one thing from the headquarters, but how well are they actually saying what that interpretation should be? It's ridiculous. The interpretations have always been a problem because they've always been different across um, all the umpires. I just remember when the rules used to be so much clearer and you didn't have the interpretations. There's so many grey areas like they do now. Yeah, but they bring all these stupid bloody rules in. and, and Yeah, look, but that's um, Nicky's point. Yeah, yeah, and the very point of the fact that they bring these in and you've got these guys that... Um, don't seem to have a feel for what footy's about, and you get all the various interpretations of the same interpretation. Yeah, but do you know what? Do you know what, Macca? I, I I've always been of a pardon me of a similar mind to you that there's just umpires around that are just generally either biased or no good. But I'm starting to lean more heavily towards the AFL trying to manipulate the look and feel of the game by instructing umpires to do certain things. And, yep. um, you know, uh, the case in point is this um, this uh, wasting time situation. Um, another case in point is the proposed anti-density laws that are that they're looking at trialling in the JLT. If they oh, just, if, if they just oh. allowed the umpires to actually officiate the game, like if an umpire was allowed to pay holding the ball, pay high tackle, pay in the back in a, in a stoppage situation, pay incorrect disposal and all the rest of it. You wouldn't have the congestion that everyone's up in arms about at the moment. But instead, I'm sure that the AFL house tell the umpiring department, we want a game that flows, so don't pay a free kick unless it's really, 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 really there, which actually is counterintuitive and has the opposite effect to what they're intending. If they yeah, actually then, paid freeze, the game would flow far quicker and the umpires watch, would be able to watch umpire an NFL a lot game. easier. Yeah, exactly. Watch, watch how the SANFL umpire, because you know who actually coaches the SANFL umpires? Ex-umpires. Not what the AFL does, which is put in fucking ex-players oh, they who just put in no yes men. idea. But they just put in yes no men, Nikki. Well, you, precisely. But you are right, though, Phoenix. And the, and the point is if they paid the free kicks, it would stop the rolling mall. Exactly right, Macca. That's my point. Pay the first or, free. Everyone or and the stop o- allowing players to just drop the ball out exactly, of a tackle. Nick. Pay a free against them for that because dropping that ball then creates a congestion. Yeah, it's 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 just like yep. I'm watching it going. This is exactly how it's going to happen. Yeah, because I have an umpiring background. I know what's going to come next. Yeah, the and longer, I know what they're doing wrong. The longer the the play goes in close the more people that are going to gather around the ball. So you pay the first free, first free that's there, obviously, but you pay the first free. Immediately the players are running to the next contest or running to wherever they're they're demanded to run with a game plan or whatever. The only thing that I would consider bringing in to try and assist uh, against congestion 
is I, I would trial allowing anyone of the team to take the free kick because I think it's a bit antiquated now to have that the guy that gets tackled high or whatever is the guy that has to take the free kick. I'd like to be able to see anyone of that particular team be able to take the free kick as long as he's over the mark, and that would speed up the game further. But aside from that, just pay the freaking freeze. Yes. Yes. There is there is a actually rule book with not we're not talking about interpretations now. There is a rule book, and if they just stuck to that rule book, oh, it, as you said, yeah. we'd have a very simple is, game. The thing is on that though, Maka. I remember the rule book I had. And what is now put out as the rules of the game is a lot shorter mm-hmm. than what I used to have to deal with. And, in fact, most of the bulk that is taken up in the rules of the game are to do with the size of the playing field and yep. reports, yep. not to do with the actual what should be interpretations or everything else. There's a whole lot on how to grade a, um, a hit or whatever. Yeah, it's it, like, it no, right, can Nikki. you actually tell us what a throw should be? I was actually amazed, and all those other stuff. Yeah, I was amazed when I I I can't remember why I went to look at the AFL rules, but I did a few months ago. And you are exactly right, Nikki. Ninety percent of the rules are administrative or uh, not related to the definition of holding the ball or prior opportunity or dropping the ball or what's the throw or blah blah blah. So it's clear that what I said earlier is the case, that the AFL used the, the umpiring department to manipulate the look and feel of the game. And it's an absolutely ridiculous set of circumstances. And it's no wonder that as a spectator, no one knows what the hell is going on half the time. And I'm sure the umpires would be frustrated as well. Yep. In the Essendon Collingwood game, I think it was, an umpire paid a free, a 50-metre penalty for a deliberate free. Is there such a thing? A deliberate free? Yeah, and they were talking about it on the, on the TV. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's if you, yeah, if you do hold the ball, if you're deliberately keeping a player out of the play after a free has been paid yeah. and then you're bringing them down, that's actually, I that should have been paid, should be paid so many other times um, when it's done. Um I would actually prefer it is the um, SANFL interpretation so it only becomes a 25. Um, that's something I think the AFL should bring in is actually the 25 penalty for things like this. And that's why you have a lot more free-flowing game in the SANFL because if you give that little shove after a player's taken a mark, which is what they're supposed to do. So if you pay to free and they then infringe again, yes, that's when you should be paying to stop that. Um, and I've never seen it paid before, Nikki. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I do know the one you were talking about because I did. I think that was when I was flicking over from the V8s. Um, that, yeah, that that has been in the rules. It's just rarely paid, and I think it should be paid a lot more than what it does. So, really? you're deliber- if you're deliberately holding up play, um, Hawthorne were very good at it because they just hang on to the play yeah. whilst they look at the yeah. the um, umpire go, no, just is it him? Oh, what's it for? I'm still hanging on to. It. Oh, yeah. I'll let go now. Yeah. You know, and, and Very good. Geelong used to do it as well. Yes, and and it should be paid. So it is actually a rule backer, but I'm not sure whether it's actually in the rule book anymore. Yeah, and I think it's under, Simon Moore said was holding after disposal, restricting the player from running on, and I think that's what it was paid for. Yeah, but, yeah. but I've never seen deliberately it holding on play. I've never seen it paid before. 
I've got to call time. This is a very good conversation, but it's a Tuesday night <laughs> conversation. We've been going for nearly an hour and a half, guys, so we should so probably let's give it to the AFL. Let's give it to the AFL. And their stupidity regarding it and their umpiring. Yep. They deserve it. Very good. All right. Thanks, everyone in the chat for uh, joining us tonight. Thanks uh, to everyone that listens. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at AFL Crowcast. Visit AFLCrowcast.com. And we'll see you on Tuesday night for Tuesday Night Live. See you guys. Yeah. Good night all. Night all.